Everybody Entertainment Podcast. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to do a breakdown of Episode 3 of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Power Broker. So last week, we left off where Bucky and Sam were going to go visit Zemo. We learned a little bit about the uh, Flag Smashers. We learned about Isaiah Bradley. And we even learned what really was bothering Bucky. What was bothering him was that Steve might have been wrong about him if he was wrong about Sam. In this episode, we find out what Zemo's been up to. And we learn a little bit more about him. We also find out what Sharon Carter's been up to, who makes her cameo, which is probably not a cameo. She'll probably be in some of the episodes coming up. We learn more about the Flag Smashers, about the Power Broker, and we also get like little cameos of other comic book characters. So we'll dive into that. So what we're going to do today, and by the way, thanks so much for joining me in this discussion. Uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to have a scene-by-scene breakdown, and I'll interject, interject my thoughts and my theories as we go along, and maybe even add a little bit of like information on some of these characters that are shown up and I'll, I'll try to make it easy and simple to understand. So why don't we go ahead and get into it. But before we do, please uh, subscribe, rate, review my podcast. Uh, if you have any questions or theories of your own, please email me at nuttybuddy at gmail.com and please follow my Instagram page. Nutty Buddy Entertainment. It's the same way it's spelt for the podcast. So let's get into uh, episode three breakdown, Power Broker. So we start off in the GRC commercial. So we kind of get sort of like what they're selling the public, which is the, probably obviously what we're finding out as the story goes along. There's actually more behind the scenes. But they do have an interesting motto, reset, restore, rebuild. And I think what we're finding out, the last two episodes and this episode, is they're more worried about the people who came back from the blip than the people who have been around, you know, the entire five years. So it's affecting those people. And they kind of just either don't care or don't want to care. I'm not quite sure. I hope we kind of find that out. What Like, why is it specifically only these people you're worried about and not the half that's been here, which I hope they get into. And then we get into uh, another scene with John Walker as Captain America. And I feel like this scene is full of a lot of information about really how people view Captain America in, in around the world at least this Captain America, John Walker's Captain America. So they followed the Flag Smashers to the cafe and they broke in and the owner was not happy. He called them brutes, that you Americans have become brutes. So basically that they become bullies, which again goes back to kind of my, what I was talking about last week's episode where, um, Captain America in the movie Captain America Steve was a good man a compassionate man where 
I believe the individual that the general wanted to pick was named Hodges, Hodges, I believe. And they called him a bully. The doctor did. The doctor called him a bully. So I believe that's what is being portrayed about this Captain America, John Walker. And let me tell you, like nobody likes him. He spits on him. And when after he spits on him, he's like, hey, do you know who I am? And the guy's like, I don't care. So it really, I think, gives us an idea of at least of what the world thinks about this Captain America. I don't know if it would be... It's going to be interesting to see like if it was just this Captain America or is it the way they also viewed Steve Rogers? I doubt it, but maybe they'll address it. But they basically have no respect for John Walker's Captain America. And then we see that Battlestar... And John Walker, they kind of had um, a hard time uh, because they keep falling into dead end to dead end. So now they're going to move on to, I. they said, uh, bet on someone else's hand. So I think they're going to do exactly what Sam and Bucky did and try to go visit Zemo, which we find out that's what they do. Then we pick up again where Sam and Bucky are. And they are at the jail. They're at the prison where Zemo's at. And Bucky wants to go in alone. Sam thinks they're there to visit them. Bucky had different, a different idea. So the first thing Zemo starts to do is reading off those code words that Zemo used to control him in Civil War. Now, if you don't remember in Civil War, uh, he was kind of the main bad guy. Well, no, he was the main bad guy. There's no kind of about it. He was like the mastermind that put the two groups of superheroes against one another um, so that they destroy themselves from the inside, which was actually a really uh, smart plan. Now, he started right away when he used these code words, really started playing mind games immediately when he saw Bucky. And something else he still, uh, he said, he said to Bucky, something is still in there. So I don't know if that's like there's still some of the Winter Soldier in you. That could be what he meant. Or is there another way to control him? Is there something more in there like other code words that are deeper ingrained in his mind that somebody could use to control Bucky? Then the... Another thing that Zemo said that I thought was interesting is he said it's not personal. It was a means to a necessary end. But that's exactly what he told T'Challa, the Black Panther, at the end of Civil War, that killing his father was nothing personal. We move onward to Zemo getting uh, broke, uh, breaking out of jail, breaking out of prison. And that's when Sam and uh, Bucky were in Zemo's garage. And before Zemo got there, um, Sam was reminding Bucky of everything that Zemo did. Every, every crime he committed in Civil War, including killing, killing King T'Challa. And he made it clear that the people of Wakanda aren't going to forget what Zemo did. So they're going to be looking for him if he escapes. But Bucky thinks this is necessary. 
he goes through that hypothetical and what i like about that hypothetical it really shows bucky's knowledge we in this episode in particular i think we see more of the winter soldier in him uh helping uh zemo to escape was the first like his intelligence understanding the way the system works uh understanding that producing a measure of chaos and the right um type of chaos that Zemo would be able to escape uh, the the prison in which he did. When Zemo entered the bu building, um, obviously Sam had a big problem with it, but Bucky convinced Sam, hey, you know, just by kind of saying, hey, you know, you broke the law to help Steve, to help me, I'm asking you to do it for me, basically. So Sam goes along with it, obviously telling Zemo you don't do anything without our permission so we see that Sam once again is going to stick his neck out there for Bucky and hopefully it doesn't backfire but we'll see I think that might actually come back around in this show that uh, that will lead to some sort of punishment so then we find out that Zemo is rich his family was actually royalty in Sokovia which is more true to the comics that Zemo was rich and um, he doesn't want that serum out there because he doesn't want an army of these people he said I don't want more Avengers so that is his motivation to help it's basically was his life life's work it was his life's work after his family died so he wants to make sure that um, those serums do not get out there. They can't be replicated. And he knows, and he told Bucky and Sam, that they will have to scale a ladder of lowlifes. They'll have to do that, and they'll start with Shelby. And uh, we'll talk about who that is in, in, in a second. But it's interesting to me, because like Zemo, um, kind of reminds me a little bit of like a, a, a Tony Stark meets Batman type of villain actually like he's rich he he's got like he's quick-witted um but he's also like two or three steps ahead of everybody and he he even started with the mind games really early and we'll see in our next scene how he gets further into those mind games um we also got to see his mask that he'll eventually put on later in this episode but uh as we move forward as we move forward, we see the plane uh, that Zemo has explaining that his family's royalty. And then he gets somehow a hold of Bucky's book. I don't understand necessarily how that happened. But we also find out that Bucky's book is actually Steve's book. So Steve must have hand, handed that down to Bucky. I don't, maybe it happened in the movies. I just don't remember that happening. Um, so he uses that book to keep the list of the people that he needs to make amends with as the Winter Soldier. Um, and then they get into a real sort of uh, a deep conver conversation, a really deep conversation, where they talk about how people look up to Steve, but it's a dangerous, uh, it's dangerous to do that. It's dangerous to look up to people like him. Because when you put them on pedestals, they become a symbol, a symbol, an icon that eventually can lead to movements, wars, and the death of innocent people. 
and that's where he kind of brings up why he is Zemo, why Zemo is doing what he's doing is because he doesn't feel like we need to live in a world with more people like Red Skull, considering that's why Bucky went to Germany to fight Red Skull. So they're going to Madripoor. Now, Madripoor, real quick, before we get into our next scene, in the comic books is a place where criminals live. And Madripoor is actually where Wolverine is in the comic books at, at times a lot. And there's mutants there. There's mutants in Madripoor. And we'll talk about Madripoor when we get there. And whether or not maybe if they go back there, uh, because we didn't really see a whole lot of Madripoor. We just seen a couple places. So you wonder if they'll bring in mutants in this series or go back to Madripoor later on in the MCU and then we'll learn about more mutants. So now we get a, a first glimpse of Carly and what she's doing in this episode. And the first thing we see her doing is visiting an orphanage. That's what it looks like to me anyway. And what I kind of took away from this scene is that maybe this is where she grew up, that she was an orphan. Uh, maybe her parents were blipped. So it could be possible that this is where she grew up. That's what I understood or gathered from that uh, that scene. Then we enter, then we enter Madripoor. Madripoor. And Zemo uh, made it very clear that they need to stick to their characters. So Zemo, obviously, he can be Zemo. Bucky has to pretend that he's still the Winter Soldier. And Sam gets to pretend that he is Conrad Mack. And that is uh, AKA the Smiling Tiger. Now in the comic books, Conrad Mack basically has, like if you had to describe his abilities, is the same as like a super soldier, except he has claws. So I wonder if, I think we'll eventually meet this character. I think we'll eventually meet the real Conrad Mack in this series. And maybe he gets some of that formula because I believe we know that there was 20 vials out there as we talk, as we'll talk about in a later scene and only eight of them were used on this flag smasher. So that means there should be 12 if I'm doing the math correct. Um, so there could be some people like this Conrad Mac who gets that formula, that serum and becomes the smiling tiger. Now, the another reason why this is important to note is because a lot of people think that this could eventually lead to the Thunderbolts, which um, their leader could end up being Thunderbolt Ross or General Ross. Uh, if you go back and watch The Incredible Hulk, that's where we'll you, you see him. Or even in Infinity Wars... In end games, he's the general that tries to convince the guys to sign the Sokovian Accords. Um, but both Zemo and the Smiling Tiger are part of that group, along with Taskmaster. Which why that's relevant is Taskmaster is the villain in Black Widow. 
I, if I remember correctly, I'm just trying to do this off the top of my head. So all those individuals are part of the Thunderbolts. So we could see like a a villainous group being formed, and their purpose in the comics was to be sort of like a suicide squad where there are criminals that work for the governments, like doing things that heroes can't do um, because it's illegal. And that's basically what the Thunderbolts were. So Sam took on this identity. We learned that there's a high town and a low town when it comes to Madripoor. The high town is where all the influences influencers are and they sort of control Lowtown. It sounds like they're able to manipulate Lowtown. Uh, as they're walking, they're walking into a bar. And I don't know if you noticed, um, it, there was a sign in the background that said the power broker is watching. We find out through their conversations that uh, Zemo mentions that the power broker is the judge, jury, and executioner. Um, every kingdom needs a king. I thought... This is a good setup. We're going to find out more about the power broker, but he has a lot of influence and it seems like he's very powerful. I just, I, I can't wait till we find out who this is. So then Sam has to drink this drink that <laughs> was like had snake intestines in him, who, which is like the smiling tiger's favorite drink. So he had to down that. And then we got to see Bucky again, um, be the winter soldier. And this is why in the last episode, I felt like... Now, I understand there is a difference between, like, real humans and super soldiers. And that's the difference is on those trucks, on those semis, they were fighting uh, super soldiers. But I still felt like Bucky was, like, pulling his punches a little bit. He wasn't, he wasn't the Winter Soldier, you know? Where in this episode, in that bar scene, it seems like... He was absolutely the Winter Soldier. You, you seen the fighting style, the bruteness of it, and we got to see him how he can fight, maybe with more or less of a leash or less restraint. Then Selby lets the the three of them go and visit her. Uh, they find out that Doctor Nagel is the one who is uh, making the super soldier serums and that he is working for the power broker. Now, in the middle of the scene, Sarah calls Bucky's sister and their cover gets blown. Somebody kills Selby. And, and as everybody is trying to kill Zemo, Bucky, and Sam, Sharon Carter saves them. And then after that, we find out that Sharon Carter has been in Madripoor for a long time. She did not have a way to get back home. She hasn't talked to her family because when she stole the shield and the wings in Civil War, she became an enemy of the states. And I think that's interesting because, she, like, they didn't, like, care. <laughs> They didn't look into where Sharon was the entire time they were gone. And it sounds like she wasn't blipped either. So she's been in this environment for five years since Civil War. Um, 
which is sort of like an oversight of like Captain America and and Sam and Black Widow and all the like Iron Man. I don't know, like all them guys. Like, oh, we didn't even think about Sharon Carter at all. That's sort of interesting, but we got to see that. And we'll talk a little bit about what I think happened during those five years in the next scene. But let's just go back to Selby real quick, because in the comic books, Selby is a mutant. And he wasn't very influential mutant, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like a groundbreaking cameo necessarily. But it could be the first mention of a mutant. Um, but Selby doesn't last long. She, she dies right away. And and actually in the comic books it was a man and it was a, a black man instead of a woman. So I do wonder if maybe this wasn't actually Selby but actually like his like assistant or somebody else kind of like standing in for him sort of like a mouthpiece and we'll actually meet the real Selby later maybe not maybe it was just hey this is characters in the comic books gone now but who knows it's just a, a thought I think it's just one and done but who knows it could happen where the actual actual Selby comes in later next we see Sharon bring Sam Bucky and Zemo to Hightown where she lives and we find out that she sort of became a criminal herself uh, and this scene kind of shows how Sharon has become very cynical of everything. Um, she did what she needed to do to get by. She's been doing this for five years, basically becoming a criminal. And um, she even mentions that, like, the whole hero thing is a joke. Um, and that that shield, the shield, you didn't accept it, basically. She's like, you didn't accept it, Sam. Because deep down, you know, it's all hypocrisy. So was the fact um, Sharon wasn't pardoned the way Bucky was and the way Sam was because the government has no use for her like they would have a use for Sam and Bucky. So like their talents, their skills got them uh, those pardons and they still were able to sort of live their lives once they, they come back, uh, once they came back, uh, where Sharon didn't get that pardon. And it goes back to the, the GRC, how these people who come back from the blip are being taken care of. And those who were around for the blip are, are being forgotten or nobody really cares. So there's a lot of different ways we could take that scene. We see the party at Sharon's house and probably the best scene of dancing Zemo. And that is what I like about Zemo. You know what I really like what Marvel's doing here? They're really giving villains in all, all their shows so far with, with uh, WandaVision and here the Falcon and Winter Soldier. They're giving their villains a little bit of a personality, making us sort of um, understand them, give them a solid reason for being evil, <laughs> you know, like not evil for evil's sake, but we kind of can understand. We don't agree with them, but we can uh, kind of understand where they're coming from. And so they become a little bit likable, not, not entirely likable, but a little bit likable. 
Um, so sometimes we feel feel for them and we're like, whoa, what are we doing here? But that that's good storytelling. Um, and so so I really like what they're doing with Zemo. And then they uh, Sharon, it didn't take her too long to find out where the the doctor who was making the serums was at. That's Doctor um, Nagel. And before we move off of this uh, sort of uh, scene, we also saw where they struck a deal that Sam was going to get Sharon parted so she can come home, which is probably something she wants to do, you know, to see her family. Uh, that that happened before the party scene, but I wanted to touch on that before we moved on. So now we get to meet Dr. Nagel and Zemo and Bucky and Sam. They go to visit him um, while Sharon basically fights off all the bounty hunters. So we get to see her skills uh, as a fighter, which was kind of really cool <laughs> to see her kick some butt. Um, and we find out that Dr. Nagel used to work for Hydra after, uh, you know, for the Winter Soldier program. Um, and then the CIA, after Hydra was dissolved, and he used blood samples from an American test subject, which was probably, most likely, Isaiah Bradley. And he kind of, you can see how much it kind of like went to his head, uh, the kind of person he was. Uh, before um, he mentioned uh, that he was blipped, he mentioned that he was a god. But his, um, the way he figured it out and the way he injects it into people or gives it to people, it is more subtle, optimized, and perfect. So <laughs> he, he, he thinks he's a big deal, but then he gets blipped. We find out he got blipped, came back, and went to the power broker. And the power broker is the one who financed his work. He created 20 vials for the power broker, and then Carly stole them. Uh, and he's like, I can't imagine what he's going to do to that girl. I still kind of have a sneaky suspicion that maybe Carly is actually um, the power broker's daughter and it's going to be Carl but um, uh, we'll see we'll see I, I just feel like even um, a later scene I think it's the next scene where it talks about like uh, when she has that conversation, when Carly has that conversation that, you know, with the, the gentleman that it was going to lead to the power broker, that they were going to have to engage with him. So I almost think like the power broker is probably Carl and Carly's the daughter. So that might be an interesting story to see if, if that happens. So Zemo then kills the doctor and Sharon was surprised that he did that. Like, what did you do? Um, but I think Zemo's like, we're not going to let this get out there. We're not going to allow him to live because if he knows how to, um, put together the serum, he's dangerous. He's dangerous. So we're not going to let him live. So he, Zemo kills the doctor and then the, uh, the crate gets blown up. Bucky, Sam and Sharon get trapped. And it's kind of funny because even in that tense, stressful moment, Bucky and Sam still find something to argue about, uh, which again just shows sort of the relationship they have. 
But then Zemo shows off his fighting skills. He puts on the mask. He 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 thinks ahead. He saw that uh, the gas line and he fired at it and it blew up and got rid of some of the bounty hunters that trapped uh, Sam and Bucky and Sharon. And then he, he took out the other two. Later on, he finds a car. He picks up Sam and um, Bucky. And then we get that Civil War scene where Bucky asked Sam to move his seat forward and Sam said no. Well, this time we get it in reverse. We get Bucky telling Sam that he wasn't going to move his seat forward, which was a, a neat a neat callback. Uh, but then Sharon went her own way and then she gets picked up by someone, a lady, and she said, we have a big problem. In fact, we have a couple of problems. Um, and I'll explain on the way. So I actually think that Sharon Carter works for the power broker. And that is where she got her place and all this wealth in Madripoor is because she works directly with the power broker in some way, like her his assistant or his go-to uh, person. So I, I, that's my theory right now because she seems very suspect right now. So I, I'm going to say that she is probably involved in all this somehow. And that's why when the doctor got killed, Sharon was shocked. It, it's like she didn't want that to happen. And when you think about how cynical she was before, I don't think it's because she cared about a human life. You know, it seemed like she has become a little numb um, to that. But it would make more sense if she knew that the power broker wanted him to stay alive. And then he, he's dead. The doctor. The doctor to stay alive. And now he's dead. So now Sharon looks like, oh, I can't believe you did that, basically. So that's kind of a theory I have. Um, and it, it's kind of a neat, like, story for Sharon. Because it kind of reminds me of the story of, I believe it's Kara from Star Wars, um, the Solo movie, the girl that Han Solo was in love with in Solo, and how she kind of became um, the right-hand person in Crimson Dawn, and the leader, and then eventually Darth Maul. So anyway, kind of a neat storyline to see Sharon go through that. Um, hopefully she comes around. Or maybe she'll become part of the Thunderbolts. Who knows? You know, the MCU can take it, this in any direction that they want to right now. So Carly and Dovich is, uh, they're surveilling the outside of a GRC complex, it looks like. And um, we learn a little bit more about their situation that when everybody came back, a lot of people were forced onto the streets. So it led a lot of them to Madripoor where they would be taken care of. And then Carly says something that I took away that I found, you know, something maybe to keep an eye on. She says, this is our world. So I wonder if she's like referring to our world in the sense like those who were here versus those who are like those who came back. So is like Carly's goal to get rid of the people who came back. Or like half the population which goes back to like one thing I thought about in one of my earlier episodes about like having these Thanos type sympathizers that think Thanos had it right uh, to get rid of half the population 
but uh, I thought that statement was pretty interesting, something to, to keep an eye on. And then this is, again, where uh, he mentions to Carly, Dovich mentions to Carly that the power broker will catch up to us. Is that going to be a problem? Or So it implies there's some sort of relationship. So it could be that it's not her father because, uh, you know, I mentioned that she probably grew up as an orphan. However... It could be who took care of her. So a father-like figure when she went to Madripoor after she got thrown to the streets. So that's something, to, again, to keep an eye on. We only got three episodes left, so we'll see what happens. Then we catch up with Battlestar and Captain America. Uh, they find out that Bucky and Sam visit Zemo, and then Zemo broke out. So Captain America, uh, John Walker, he kind of figures out that Sam and Bucky helped break Zemo out of prison and they basically mention we're going off the books. We have to in order to, to figure out what's going on and that nobody's going to care as long as they get the job done. And then we get back on the plane where um, we Sam and, and Bucky are talking and Sam mentions he couldn't believe that Dr. Nagel mentioned that Isaiah Bradley was just a test subject. And I did notice that Zemo was listening and now knows that Isaiah Bradley is still alive. So we'll see if that comes into play. Will we actually see like Isaiah Bradley fight Zemo? Could be interesting. Then we talk about the steel, uh, the shield. And Sam thinks that he should destroy, should have destroyed it. And Bucky's like, no, I'm going to take it from him. So is Bucky basically like, hey, I'm going to be the new Captain America because you won't? And it's interesting how different people view the shield. And I don't understand why, how, like, I don't understand why Sam would view the shield in a negative way. Or if he views the shield as like, Steve's legacy and nobody's ever going to touch that legacy and he and he doesn't want anyone to have it because it represents Steve and the man he was so by destroying the shield it basically starts and ends with Steve or if he thinks there's hypocrisy within this shield and that could uh, go back to like why he had to give the shield up or why he chose to give the shield up I'm not sure However, Bucky views that shield differently. And Bucky views it differently because that shield meant a lot to those soldiers back in his day during World War II. World War II. Um, and Cap was a symbol for hope, um, and uh, among other things. And he continued that as, he, um, as Steve became Captain America in modern time. But... Sam kind of always viewed it, that symbol, as Steve and connects Steve to that person. And he views Steve in such a high regard that he doesn't want something bad to happen to the shield. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just uh, a, a very interesting concept. It's, it's this idea of the shield that has been kind of a sneaky theme throughout this episode, how people view heroes versus the shield versus Steve. And we kind of get a, a, a plethora, a variety of viewpoints. 
And then we go back to Carly and the Flag Smashers. So that building that the GRC were protecting, they break into it, they steal all the supplies, and then Carly blows up the building. So now she goes from, now she's kind of like an extreme, extremist. Um, blowing up the building. So I think her plan or her end goal might be something, like I mentioned in my last podcast, it might be something that she, it might be something good. She might be striving for something good. The Flag Smashers may be striving for something good, but the execution is very flawed at this point because she killed innocent people, even though she might not like them. But again, it goes also back to that this is our world, uh, what she said back then. So is she planning on getting rid of half of the population again? I don't know. Again, that's something we'll have to wait and see. So then we get the last scene. Sam and Bucky and Zemo, I'm assuming, goes to one of his safe houses. And he kind of mentions Sokovia again and that there's a memorial for all the people who died. And he's like, I bet you guys didn't go visit that uh, memorial, (laughs) Uh, which I think Zemo will do later on in the series. I think there's actually a trailer on it. But I don't know what the message is of this is like, the fact that they cause destruction and take lives, they should feel obligated to go to these um, memorials to at least show their respect for the people they couldn't save. Because all in all, when you think about like Zemo, why he's upset, because Ultron really is the reason why his family died. And I know that Tony created Ultron in a sense, but uh, well, actually, wasn't it Hydra that created Ultron? But Tony like unlocked him I guess I'd have to watch um, Age of Ultron again but Tony made the physical at least the physical version of Ultron in a sense so um, so he could blame Tony but I don't know why like he he blames the Avengers for what happened to his family and not that they killed his family but in reality they just couldn't save his family from Ultron and the destruction Ultron was causing but you know like when you are dealing with grief you don't quite think clearly and you just need someone to blame so instead of blaming the people that are no longer here the real reason sometimes we can blame other things and I think that's what Zemo is doing here is he's blaming the Avengers for something that Ultron did but he's not really upset. Like, I don't think he, he, he's thinking clearly on this matter. Right. That That's just my two cents. Like he, he's not, he doesn't realize that they didn't kill his family. He just wasn't able, they were just not able to save his family. So th- I think there's a difference there, but then Bucky goes for a walk. Uh, he tells Sam and Zemo that's what he was going to do, but then he finds sort of these trails of these uh, what, uh, vib- vibranium marble things that we've seen in um, we've seen it in uh, Infinity Wars, and we've seen them in um, Black Panther that the Waka- Wakanda uses, the people of Wakanda, and then we see Io, which is one of the uh, elite guards who guards the king of Wakanda and Bucky's like I was wondering when you're going to show up and she said that uh, she's there for Zemo so they know Zemo broke out 
And like Sam said, that the people of Wakanda would not forget Zemo. So they're after him <laughs> for killing T'Chaka. And um, so it'll be interesting. Like, I thought it was interesting that how far away she was from where they were going to stay. So I wonder, I wonder if she wanted to lead Bucky away from Zemo to get Zemo. Like there's other people from Wakanda there. Maybe other uh, more of those guards, uh, and they're gonna go in and capture, try to capture Zemo, and that's what we're gonna start out with the next episode, episode four, which is next week. So that is it. That's the scene by scene breakdown, some of my thoughts and theories, um, and uh, overall, uh, my general rating for the episode. I put a rating at the end of each episode. I would say this one was more like an 8.7. It wasn't... I like the other two episodes better. It might just be specifically because of the therapy scenes with Bucky and uh, Sam. But uh, this one was still good. Um, really good episode. I like how we found out more about the power broker. We got to know Zemo a little more. Uh, the Flag Smashers. We're starting to understand them a little bit better and Sharon Carter. I think that the uh, episodes are going to pick up more now because now every all the players, in a sense, are in introduced. All the people we need to know about. So I think it'll be a little less about story character development so much and more focused on the story now going forward. And we only got three episodes left. So thanks again. Thanks again for listening. Again, this is uh, Nutty Buddy Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And uh, please subscribe, rate, review. Uh, join me on Instagram at Nutty Buddy Entertainment. And uh, I will post when I um, drop a podcast. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, or even theories of your own, you can go ahead and email me at nuttybuddy at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys later.